week of Super Bowl shows continue on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, February 3rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We visit Tampa Bay today, specifically the Tampa Bay Times. Sports writer Joey Knight, who covers the Bucks, breaks down the matchup against the Chiefs, and we agree we don't see the game unfolding in similar fashion to the regular season contest when the Chiefs jumped ahead 17 to nothing before holding off the Bucks for a three-point victory. Then you'll hear from Sharon Kennedy Wynn. She's the family entertainment and events editor for the Times. Sharon provides a pulse of the region, thrilled to be hosting the nation's most popular championship sporting event, but having to do so in a way no other Super Bowl city has been asked, and that is to make it work in a pandemic. Finally, you'll hear from Chiefs President Mark Donovan. He met with reporters on Tuesday. Mark told us that Arrowhead Stadium could be used as a COVID-19 vaccination center, as it was a polling place in November. Also, he had some interesting things to say about how the Chiefs and the NFL have had to deal with the greatly reduced numbers of tickets available for the game. So let's get started talking Super Bowl. Joey Knight covers the Tampa Bay Bucks. Joey, it's great to have you here. And I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to this rematch on, on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I, I am too. You know, just as a just as an observer, I, I recall that first game and we all remember kind of the embedded images of Tyreek Hill going off and Kansas City just building what seemed to be an insurmountable lead early on. And then the Bucks playing really well and kind of finding themselves a little bit offensively in the second half. And Bruce Arians, the coach, has said a number of times, you know, that second half is where he really saw the offense starting to click a little bit. So, and, and if you go back, uh, you know, it was a pretty evenly played second half, even including the score. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing how the Bucks defend and if Tom Brady can build on the success that he had, you know, late in the game the last time and see how, you know, just see how Leonard Fournette assimilates himself and if Antonio Brown's healthy, how he assimilates himself. We didn't see much of him the first game. So a lot of new pieces, uh, kind of a different matchup than the first time. I totally agree. You know, I read something you had written earlier. I thought it was interesting that maybe maybe the second half of that Chiefs game, but also a few weeks earlier, the Chicago Bears game were kind of turning point moments for this Bucks team. Right. They had a just, I don't want to say listless, but just a very undisciplined effort against the Bears. It was a Thursday night game. Uh, they set a season high for penalties. Vita Vea, the defensive tackle, just the big 340-pound load in the middle. He um, he broke his leg. That people, you know, obviously thought he was done for the year. And Bruce Arian said, you know, after that game, I don't know if he necessarily had a come to Jesus meeting with the team, but he said, we're better than this. We, you know, if we're a really good team, if we don't beat ourselves like this. And from that moment on, they cut down the penalties considerably, just very significantly. They're now, you know, they went on to be one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. And of course they played long enough in their season to where Vita Vea came back. Um, and now they've got that dimension right in the center of their defensive line, a guy who can occupy, you know, one or two blockers, which frees things up for guys like Dama Kong Su and even the outside edge guys like Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. So 
Again, you talk about dimensions that the Bucks did not have in that first meeting with Kansas City. Vita Vea is one of those dimensions. And as I mentioned, Antonio Brown, if he's healthy, he's dealing with a knee injury. But if he, if he can go, he was just starting to get his bearings in, in the offense and develop a clairvoyance with Tom Brady. And since then, he, he really, before he got hurt, he really got on a tear. So it would be interesting to see what he could do against the Chiefs as well. Yeah, I, you know, I remember going back to that regular season game. Not, in addition to Tyreek Hill getting behind the defense uh, several times, on Tom Brady was missing some third down throws, and you know right. th- that helped the Chiefs get out to the lead. And you know, with the, the one of the one of the narratives about the Bucks all year is just feeling more comfortable as the season progressed because of the new quarterback and the new, you know, just the new faces and players. So I, I got to think that it, well the. Look, the, the playoffs have proved it. The Bucs have won three road playoff games and are coming into this Super Bowl playing as well as they have all year. I, I don't know if you could say the exact same thing about the Chiefs, but I, I'm pretty sure, I feel pretty confident that the Bucs feel they're playing their best football right now. No question about it. And it really all comes down to trust. And trust, you know, sometimes can be a cliche. But you think about Tom Brady arriving, you know, to this franchise in March. And like everybody else, he had no OTAs. He had no conventional offseason, no preseason games. And people kept saying, it's just a matter of time. He's just got to develop a clairvoyance with these guys. He's got to do it through reps. And lo and behold, he's done it. They're clicking. Um, And it's even, the trust has even trickled down to the young guys. You know, the younger receivers like Tyler Johnson, the rookie from Minnesota, Scotty Miller, the second year guy. Those guys have had some very crucial catches in the postseason. Not many, but the ones they've caught have been very significant, including Scotty Miller, that that long throw against Green Bay right before halftime for a touchdown. So it it's really just a matter of developing clairvoyance and trust. And right now, I don't think there's any question that Tom Brady trusts everybody in his offense. And in turn, they trust him. They've trusted him since day one. I mean, it's a confidence thing. Here's a guy who's going to this 10th Super Bowl, who's been there and been in these scenarios a million times. They've trusted him from day one, but now Tom Brady trusts all his guys. Day one with Tom Brady. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd ever thought I'd see him in a uniform other than the Patriots, but, <laughs> but here he came to, you know, to Tampa Bay. And what, what did, how did that lift the spirits of, of the, uh, you know, not only of the franchise, but, but of the region that had been, it been so long since a playoff appearance for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right. They had not been to the playoffs since 2007 and they'd only really sniffed it a couple of times since then. This has been a surreal year for the Tampa Bay area. You know, when you, you go back and you think about the Tampa Bay lightning winning the Stanley cup and then the Rays making the run to the world series and almost winning it. And now here we go. We're, we're having this kind of surreal thing in triplicate now with, with the Bucks and Tom Brady. But, you know, even before all that, just the, the notion of, you know, a year and a half ago at this time of even considering Tom Brady being in a Buccaneers uniform, it just wasn't conceivable. Bruce Arians came in here to develop Jameis Winston. He was going to be the quarterback whisperer that was going to take Jameis to the next level and, Jameis just couldn't get out of his own way, couldn't stop committing turnovers. So in the offseason, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, we all know, I don't want to say brash, but he's, you know, 
he, he's a no risk it, no biscuit guy. Hey, let's go for the best. And, and they went for the best and they were able to work things out and they got Tom Brady. And, you know, it just sent this area into a, a state of euphoria. I'll tell you real quick, Blair, when there was no, you know, on campus <laughs> season OTAs or anything like that, he was, he was practicing at a high school, just getting some of the Bucks players together and practicing on their own at a high school. And we caught wind of it and we, we saw it and took a photographer over there and he snapped some pictures and just the, the pictures of Tom Brady in an orange creamsicle Bucks uniform practicing on a high school campus went viral. So that just kind of gives you an indication of just how excited this community was to, to have Tom Brady. And then you bring in Gronk and then you bring in Leonard Fournette and then, you know, things just kind of start snowballing. This is excited as, as this community has been in a long time. The only downside it's during a pandemic. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of bittersweet in a way, but yeah, this, it's been a crazy year for Tampa Bay. Unlike any I'll ever see in my life again. Yeah. Fans can't fully, uh, well, they can't show up. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they can, they right. can enjoy it. And, they, and I'm sure they have enjoyed it uh, immensely. Uh, just a remarkable run of sport pro sports success going on in, in your area um, and, and parades as well. Didn't, didn't they do something on the river for, uh, for the lightning? Right. The Hillsborough river kind of, for people not familiar, kind of runs right through downtown Tampa and they had a boat parade. They couldn't have a street parade. So they kind of sequestered the lightning players in different boats, uh, out on the Hillsborough river. And they just, they had a boat parade and people, you know, as socially distanced as they could be stood on the water side. And, you know, it, it was a water parade, um, I, I imagine they'll do something similar for the Bucks if they happen to win Sunday, maybe have a socially distanced celebration inside Raymond James. Um, but I, I could see that happen. That was pretty cool. I bet. Okay, so um, I, I had to make a prediction for the paper. Uh, it won't be out until Sunday, but I, I, did, I did pick the Chiefs by the, by the margin, basically, a three-point margin, and which is where, where the odds uh, makers say it is. It's where it opened and where it is right now, and it really hasn't moved much. But how do you see things playing out? I, I'll start by saying I, I absolutely agree that we won't see a start to the game the way, the way we saw in Week 12. I don't right. see the Chiefs getting up 17-0. I don't see the, the Bucks getting behind 17 to nothing. I just see more back and forth of, for this game. How do you see it playing out? I'm a belie- big believer in the intangible of momentum, and what I've seen – the last three games with the Bucks winning in the playoffs on the road has convinced me. They're just, they're just playing at another level right now. I'm not saying they're playing at a higher level than the chiefs, but they're just playing at a level not foreseen in this community in years and years, maybe, maybe ever. Um, I think, you know, just some, the, the way the chiefs are a little dinged up up front. If I'm a chiefs fan, I'm a little concerned about that. And the way this, this defense has been playing and, what Todd Bowles has up his sleeve, the defensive coordinator, who knows? I think that will cause Patrick Mahomes some problems as mobile and as dynamic as he is. But I, I just see Tom Brady and that offense, which is just clicking like never before. I see them finding a way. I, I don't remember, Blair, the score that I predicted, but I did p- predict Tampa Bay to win. Okay. Yeah, I see uh, the, the Chiefs have to get some pressure on Tom Brady. And for the Chiefs' sake, it should come from up the middle. I think that's where Brady's most vulnerable to a blitz. Sure. And, yeah. Um, it's it's not going to do as as much good bringing it from the outside, which is what the Chiefs have done in the in the two playoff victories for them. So, 
I think it'll be an outstanding game, a great Super Bowl. And, um, you know, the first time in, in NFL history, a team gets to play in its in its home stadium. That's pretty cool. And, and also yeah. the first time that the, 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 the game will be treated like a true road game for the Chiefs are not coming down until Saturday. I think that's crazy, too. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just surreal in so many ways. All right, Joey, great catching up with you. And I will see you in the press box on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you, Blair. Hi, Chiefs fans. This is Clark Hunt. If you have an urgent orthopedic or sports injury, the University of Kansas Health System is open, safe, and has extended hours to see you quickly. You deserve champion treatment from the experts who treat the Chiefs. Request an appointment at kansashealthsystem.com slash sportsmedicine. We're proud that the University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Chiefs. Okay, Sharon Wynn of the Tampa Bay Times has joined us, and Sharon's not a sports writer, uh, like we just heard from uh, Joey Knight, but she is the editor. I say, it, I read this in your biography. You're an editor who writes and a writer who edits. I love that because I'm a sports writer who podcasts and a podcaster who writes sports. So I guess we all have to be versatile these days, Sharon. But what I what I got mostly from from your biography is uh, you write about fun and entertainment in Tampa Bay. And the, um, uh, the question, the first question I have for you is uh, Tampa Bay was awarded the Super Bowl several years ago. The city was all jazzed for it. I was there in Miami last year when the host committee was, uh, was, was making a presentation after the Chiefs won last year's Super Bowl. And then the pandemic hit and we didn't even, you know, for, I guess for a little, little while, we didn't know if we we're going to have a Super Bowl, but the NFL carried on. We do have a Super Bowl. It's coming to Tampa, but it's not going to be the same as it, as it was. So Tampa sounds like it's rolling out the red carpet, but on a limited basis. Yeah. Well, yeah. My job is entertainment and events, which entertainment and events pretty much disappeared as of March last year. So um, that's the kind of stuff I've, I've been covering. And, and, and when we have the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl usually brings lots of, you know, celebrities and parties and we always have so much to do. We still have it on a limited, on, you know, a more subdued basis, I would say. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's been a challenge, to say the least. So how how would how did it go? I mean the 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 news of um, you know as the as the pandemic news unfolded in the spring and the summer and the fall, was it just a kind of a collective depression uh, around the, the the hosting of the Super Bowl and just you know was it wasn't going to happen in a way we've seen Tampa host Super Bowls and other major events. I covered a Final Four there, low those many years ago. Uh, Tampa knows how to handle big events. This had to be quite a blow to the to the area. Yeah, this is our I think our fifth Super Bowl we're hosting. But but okay, what what kills us is this is the year Tampa. We we get Stanley Cup. We were in the World Series. Our soccer team. Uh, every every single team of ours has done so great this year, and we can't go to a single freaking game. So it's been very tough for sports fans in this, in this area because we we're having a really good year. Some part of me feels like it's so Tampa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, you're having a you're having a great year. You're right. The Lightning win the Stanley Cup. The 
the Rays get to the World Series and now the Bucks uh, in, in the Super Bowl. I wonder if uh, of those three, uh, which, uh, which team is Tampa rallied around the most? I, look, the, the, the Lightning have seemed um, like they're always good. but uh, Yes, I, I definitely – the Lightning had a huge – we actually had a, a – a, a, uh, on the river, we, we did a, we did a parade on the river. That way, people could be a little more distanced. It was still a parade, so we had it on the river for the for the lightning. Um, it, you know, and of course, the Rays are always big. And I gotta say, though, the Bucks are like that's our team. They're they've been such like 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 the bad news bears kind of. You know, it's like they're you know, oh, they're here, and we got Tom Brady. We're taking them to the uh, okay. He's taken us to the final, so well, you know, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people who who will, in defiance, wear uh, one of those orange creamsicle colored shirts to the game. I think there's going to be lots of people wearing those just just to have a kind of like a like, ah, we're here, you know, yeah. we've been here since the 70s. <laughs> I don't, people don't know the, the the Bucks I think still hold the record as the most losing team of all time. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, their first season of uh, having having no wins. So so as one of the one of the stories I wrote was like uh, you know I always wonder like okay to, is is it good luck to eat your opposing team's food? So I, I was going to do some like a KC barbecue or some uh, champa, the home of the Cuban, which is the most delicious sandwich ever. It's a pressed sandwich with uh, pulled pork and smoked ham and uh, pickles and uh, uh, mustard and, it, and, a, and a pressed sandwich. Oh, so it's, it's, it's the most delicious sandwich ever. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to so have a, have a Cuban in honor of the Heck yeah! I won't even uh, I, I won't even not eat a Cuban in defiance. You don't really need a reason. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, Sharon, um, not as many Kansas Cityans will make the trip to Tampa as in Miami last year. It was it was almost like a home crowd for the Chiefs in in last year's Super Bowl, but very limited amount of uh, of fans will be in the stadium. A lot of healthcare workers, which is cool to see. And uh, but but in terms of just fans getting able to get their hands on tickets, it's not going to be what it could be. Nevertheless, um, there are some, uh, you know, there, there are bars and restaurants and other, you know, and, and the, the, the sun and fun of Tampa Bay will will be available to them. But but not all of it. No, it's true. I mean, like I said, because it's it's you know not advised to gather in a crowd. So some outdoor settings have been doing that though, but um, on the pier in St. Pete and out, out uh, downtown Tampa has an open waterfront in the river there. So they definitely are, are doing it. So um, <laughs> we'll, um, and uh, I, as I understand the ticket price is, is one of the highest because there's so limited tickets. Uh, it's one of the highest ticket prices you can get for a to roll. So, Sharon, you have uh, you you've written a guide, and it's available on the Tampa Bay Times website. How how uh, how can they dig uh, drill down and get uh, uh, your fan guide uh, for visitors coming to Tampa? Oh, yeah, you know what what I would say if, if you're coming to the area, we we have powder soft sand. Uh, if you ever, I didn't realize this growing up here that um, 
most beaches are not like this. It's it's like it's like baby powder. It's like soft white sand. So we ha we have uh, uh, miles and miles of that on the one coast, and we also have uh, Tampa Bay is referred to as both a town and a body of water, and that's it's both. Um, the body of water, Tampa Bay, you can uh, kayak and around. So I, I give a whole little guide to that. There's many places to. to to get out, what my suggestion was to not be around crowds. So that, that, that was what I was trying to do. Like uh, we have several places to, you know, check out the beaches and uh, grab a kayak and see the area. There you go. Well, I'm gonna find the link and post it uh, on, on, our, uh, on our website. So Wonderful. Karen, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us and, um, and, and we're looking forward to visiting your city. I, you're a lifelong Floridian, I see, and, uh, and have been a resident of that area for quite a long time. Mm, yes. Um, you know, uh, it, it's hard to uh, appreciate uh, sometimes the other areas that, that have cold weather that we don't have. Like the most I have is a sweater these days. <laughs> so I, I, I feel very sorry for people who have, have suffered through this, but if you want to come out of the cold, uh, uh, come down, come on down because uh, I gotta say I I love the beaches here. Uh, it makes you makes you relax just coming down here. So that's how I'm planning on spending my Saturday afternoon. All right, Sharon, thank you so much. Great, wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sports Beat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, if you're ready to get started, um, we can open, or you want to take questions? I'll just take questions. This one. Uh, we'll go first to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Mark. Um, understanding that the future is very murky at this point, but I, I was wondering if you can give us your best guess today, February 2, what next season might look like at Arrowhead Stadium for the home games from a fan standpoint? Can you can you give us some update on what you think that might entail? I can give you my hopeful projection. Um, you know, based on our success this year and the ability to pull off what we pulled off in a year when we had challenges, not only at the beginning of the year, but also, you know, we had spikes during the season. Um, I think that we should be able to do something substantially similar to what we did this year. The hopeful side is, I'm sorry, uh, vaccines and um, other rollouts. Um, you know, if things go in a positive direction, then we, uh, we're back to 70,000 strong of the kingdom in Arrowhead. And um, obviously from, from our perspective, that's, that's really what we want. That's what we're doing everything in our power to make happen. Um, and we hope that that's, uh, that's reality. 
Let's go next to Herbie Teofi. Go to Herbie. Hey, Mark. Good afternoon. <clears throat> you mentioned the vaccine rollout, and I know Arrowhead Stadium, you hosted a polling station there. How much discussion has gone on with the city to make Arrowhead Stadium a vac- vaccination site? Yeah, lots. Um, so we've been talking about it for about six weeks now, um, county, city, and state. Um, as you have seen, there are a lot of different pieces to that puzzle. Uh, we've been in discussions with all the pieces, and uh, in every discussion, we've been very um, proactive in saying, we're here, we're ready, let's, let's be prepared to take advantage of it when we can. Uh, we obviously need a lot of logistical support from the parties uh, in charge to actually manage the process. Um, to give you some perspective, um, you know, for voting, I think we had 40 members of the election board here on site. We had 50 of our volunteer staff members who volunteered their day and, and supported those 40. I imagine with the rollout of vaccines, you know, what I've seen, at least in other markets, it's going to be much more than that. Um, and because of what we're dealing with with vaccines, um, you know, and registering and make sure it's the right person to qualify all those things, it's going to take a lot of support on their side. Uh, but we stand ready. Uh, we've made that uh, very clear to the, the folks we've been in discussions with, and, and hopefully we can do that sometime soon. Let's go next to Nick Jacobs. Go ahead, Nick. <clears throat> Mark, I'm curious for you, minus what may happen Sunday, what are you going to remember most about what you guys went through this year? Because, I mean, very few people that get to the Super Bowl have to go through a pandemic as well as trying to repeat. Tough to think of anything minus Sunday. Um, to be perfectly honest. Um, it'll obviously have an impact, uh, hopefully in a positive way. Um, but I would tell you that the, the biggest thing, a couple things that really have resonated recently with a number of us, um, and that is, I think, internally, the, the challenges we all went through every single day of this process to do our jobs, to create the opportunity to keep people employed, to put this game on, to play the games, to broadcast everything we do, it's really brought our organization closer together. And when you think about, you know, we all have our jobs and we all we do a really good job of dividing and conquering and staying in our lanes and football and business. Um, but when you're on the phone at 3.30 in the morning doing contact tracing on a positive test to determine whether or not a player can play or a staff member can work or a volunteer at the stadium can even be in the stadium, almost every day, almost every week, it, it really does bring you together. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing I'll remember. Um, I've mentioned this to you guys before, the, the pride that we have as an organization for what we were able to do this year and do it successfully from being the team that was on that stage the very first weekend and launched NFL football, the season, and to do that successfully. And then to full circle, be the last playoff game before the Super Bowl and to be able to sort of close that window and do it successfully. Um, there's a, that'll be a memory that I'll share uh, with everybody here for a long, long time. Let's go next to Blair Kirkhoff. Go ahead, Blair. Hey, Mark. I'm, I'm just wondering about uh, as it relates to your fans and um, the, the difference between, you know, last year's Super Bowl experience and this one. Are you Obviously, you weren't able to provide, you know, as many packages as, as last year. I'm just wondering if you had a message to fans and if that was, you know, how, how big a challenge was it this year just to communicate with fans that, 
things weren't going to be the same in 2020 as they were in 2019. Yeah, I think the fans um, have been challenged, like all of us have been challenged uh, every week of this year, and then you throw the opportunity of a Super Bowl on top of that, it creates even more of a challenge. But I would tell you, um, their resiliency and their support and their understanding has been uh, really inspiring for us as an organization. Um, you know, when, you, when you talk about a Super Bowl that is less than 25,000 people, and then when you take those 25,000 tickets, you divide amongst every player in the division teams from the playoffs, every single organization, every single league partner, every single network, everything. I mean, it trickles down to very, very little for a team, specifically the two participating teams. So the Bucks have faced the same challenge. We've been in discussions with the Bucks um, almost every day, um, just about how they're dealing with how we can different creative ways of, of trying to create opportunities. Um, but, at the end of the day, it's a math problem, and there just aren't enough tickets to take care of everybody. Um, and so we did everything we possibly could to take care of our season ticket members on the front end with uh, a lottery that gave a number of season ticket members a free trip to Super Bowl. And then um, you know, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, my dad is a union carpenter, so I, I learned the lesson early on of measure twice and cut once. Um and as that relates to tickets, when you're putting all your formulas together and figuring out how you're going to get through all your contract obligations, the players, the coaches, the Hunt family, you know, the league, um, you don't want to cut short and, and be scrambling. So at the end of all that, uh, we had a few tickets that uh, were confirmed leftover. Um, so we went right back to our season ticket members uh, yesterday with that opportunity uh, to take advantage of it and to get down to Tampa with us. So um you know, you're always trying to find new opportunities and new ways, um, but this year, like everything else we've talked about, has been a unique challenge, and it definitely has impacted us on that front as well. Let's go next to Matt McMullen. Good, Matt. Hey, Mark. Uh, I'm just curious. The last two years, when you think about going to back-to-back Super Bowls, you're someone that's been here a while now, and you've been part of what's been building all of this. Just what do the last two years on the field mean to you, and what do you think it means to the city that uh, you could help bring – potentially two Lombardi trophies to Kansas City, but two Super Bowl appearances at least. Yeah, I always hesitate to answer that question uh, without the perspective of the fans because, you know, they've been at it a lot longer than I have. Um, I got here in 09 and um, admittedly lived through some of the, um, I like to consider them character-building years. Um, But as you're going through those challenges, you're constantly trying to make it better. You're constantly trying to position your organization for success and and as Clark has said can consistently compete for championships so last year to be able to be on that stage for the championship game and watch Norma kiss the Lamar Hunt trophy and just be part of that team right that made that happen is uh something I'll never forget and then to follow that up with the Super Bowl stage last year and and just knowing what that victory means to this entire fan base and this franchise and um and everybody involved with it it's something that uh, i'll never forget and then you immediately flip you know on the plane ride home almost you flip to um we got a challenge doing it again and then to live through all those challenges every single week and then throw uh, COVID on top of that to be able to sit here today with the opportunity to go do it again is um it's almost indescribable so that's where we are Let's go next to Dave Scretta. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Mark. 
Um, there's a lot of other things that you guys changed going into the season pandemic aside, talking about the chop and the chant and all of that stuff. I'm wondering if you got the buy-in you wanted from the fans in, in that arena and whether you think there's still more that the Chiefs and the fans, everybody around here needs to do. Well, I think that, as we said in the um, announcement to bar face paint and headdress from Arrowhead, we think this is a step in a process, and this is a big step. Um, to answer your question, um, I think that the buy-in was very positive. You know, the responses we got from fans as we were considering it, as we rolled it out, was uh, overwhelmingly supportive. Um, I think really important point is a lot of those responses were people who didn't know it was an issue, didn't understand that that was happening. And we talked about early on with our working group creating awareness. Um, so even that policy change created more awareness. Um, you know, in this issue, like many issues in today's world, you're going to have opinions on all sides. And there are opinions within the American Indian world, there are opinions within the general broader world on what we should and shouldn't do. We're going to continue to have those discussions. We'll continue to uh, make changes as we go forward. Um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll find a place that does what we hope, and that is to honor and respect um, the American Indian heritage as much as to celebrate our fan experience at our That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff, Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A shout out today to Joey Knight and Sharon Kennedy Wynn of the Tampa Bay Times for sharing their thoughts on the Super Bowl with us. We've uh, linked some of their stories in our show notes, and you can find their work at tampabay.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Star's terrific Chiefs coverage and what a time to join in. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another Super Bowl episode.